0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, Patients as Partners, Frontline Management of Multiple Myeloma is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives.
1: Patients newly diagnosed with multiple myeloma are often experiencing various symptoms, including pain and fatigue. Fortunately, amazing strides have been made in treatment that are improving our patients' quality of life. This is CME on REACH MD, and I'm Dr. Caitlin Costello.
0: And I'm Dr. Ravi Widge.
1: Hi, Ravi. Can you tell us a little bit about recent advances for the management of our patients with newly diagnosed multiple myeloma?
0: We have recently seen tremendous advances in the treatment of our patients with multiple myeloma. First-line therapy continues to evolve, both for transplant-eligible and transplant-ineligible patients. What we have seen over the last year, year and a half in the United States, is a move towards the four-drug regimen of map with bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone in patients undergoing stem cell transplantation. This is based on the Griffin study that randomized patients' pre transplant transplant to that four-drug regimen versus the prior standard of care three-drug regimen of bortismib lenalidomide and dexamethasone. In this trial, patients post-transplant who got four drugs got lenalidomide and map for maintenance, and those that got three drugs got lenalidomide alone. Much higher rates of depth of response, including MRD negativity, were seen in this four-drug regimen approach. This is something that is expected in the future to lead to better progression-free survival and possibly overall survival. The use of carfilzomib in induction therapy of transplant-eligible patients continues to be explored as well. We have seen the regimen of kiprolis, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone studied by numerous groups. The U.S. experience by Dr. Jakubovia was followed by a trial that was done by the IFM group that showed high rates of MRD negativity in patients who get kiprolis-based induction, followed by being maintenance therapy. The data on cyclophosphamide as a four-drug combo also is now evolving. The Forte study, which was a three-drug regimen, did in a randomized trial show superiority when paired with transplantation compared to a regimen where kyprolis, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone was given without transplant. Building on that, trying to incorporate the use of four-drug regimens, including daratumumab, kyprolis, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone into the mix is a strategy that is starting to pay dividends. The master study that was published recently in a major academic journal showed that the four drug regimen produces unparalleled rates of remission, including MRD negativity at 10 to the power of minus 6. This trial explored using MRD as an endpoint to decide on length of therapy as well at the recent ASCO meeting, the ATLAS study that showed that kyprolis when lenalidomide as maintenance strategy post-transplant have superior outcomes that compared to lenalidomide maintenance alone. And this, again, is something that was seen earlier in the Forte study as well. At the ASCO meeting, we also had a French study looking at the four-drug regimen of daratumumab with kyprolis-lenalidomide and dexamethasone presented with impressive rates of depth of response So I think that four-drug regimens are something that are going to continue to be becoming more popular for our patients. In the non-transplant eligible population, the three-drug regimen of daratumumab with lenalidomide and dexamethasone with longer-term follow-up is producing progression-free survivals of approximately five years, which is unparalleled. In the future, we will likely see four-drug regimens even for the non-transplant eligible patient population. In this population, some people still give bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone in a dose-reduced manner. This is something that, again, is one of individual preference. The use of a four-drug regimen of elotuzumab with bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone, however, cannot at this time be something that we can endorse since a study done by the SWA Cooperative Group in high-risk patients did not show any advantage compared to a three-drug standard of lenalidomide, bortezomib, and dexamethasone alone.
1: Thank you, Ravi. It really feels like an embarrassment of riches sometimes when it comes to the management of newly diagnosed multiple myeloma. There are really just so many great options and novel combinations, whether it's doublets, triplets, or quadruplets, as you mentioned. It can get a little confusing, however, and it really is up to us as clinicians to try and identify the most ideal combination for every individual patient. And that may require looking at patients' biology of their disease, patients' comorbidities, patients' psychosocial and their support system to really try and personalize to some degree the best treatments that we can offer to both maximize effectiveness, but also to minimize toxicity and complications. And there have been so many things that have made treatment even more easy, let's say, for our patients, where now we have the option for subcutaneous formulation of daratumumab, which can really be much more beneficial and convenient for patients, infusion centers, physicians, nursing staff alike. There are options for all oral combinations just the same, which are helpful for patients who may have limited access to infusion centers. So all in all, we have a really wonderful number of therapies that are available to us that are extremely effective. It's just a matter, I think, and up to us of choosing what is perfect for every individual patient. So this has been great. Before we wrap up, Ravi, can you provide us with one key takeaway from this chapter?
0: The key takeaway is that four drug regimens are now becoming the de facto standard of care for patients who are transplant eligible. In the future, these are likely to even become standards for non-transplant eligible patients as well.
1: Thank you. In Chapter 2, we'll be evaluating new advances in treatment decision-making. Stay tuned.
0: Welcome back. In the first chapter, we talked about the current guidelines for frontline treatment of multiple myeloma. In this section, we're going to talk about what is the optimal depth and duration of treatment. Caitlin, can you tell us how you would aim for deep responses in patients with myeloma these days?
1: Thank you, Ravi. That is such a great, relevant question right now, is that we have so many options for treatment, but our goal really should be the same. As clinical trials have evolved over the last many years, we have seen this evolution from endpoints requiring overall response rates to improved for progression-free survival. However, more recently, we're understanding the importance of minimal residual disease and how that could potentially reflect the same prior endpoints, including how long patients may end up remaining in remission and presumably then would have improved overall survival. So as overall response rates have historically helped us in clinical trials understand the effectiveness of the drugs, what we now understand from many clinical trials is the evaluation and quantification of minimal residual disease and the importance of getting to a minimal residual disease state is really relevant in terms of understanding how long these patients should stay on therapy, how long these patients may require to stay on therapy in order to improve their overall survival, but also may eventually have implications for when we may be able to stop therapy. And so these patients importantly are evaluated with their ongoing bone marrow biopsies as a means to understand have they achieved the deepest response possible so that we therefore can make educated decisions and prognostic decisions to understand how to further continue their therapy or potentially stop.
0: I agree. And the duration of therapy certainly is something that has also evolved with time. We used to have a paradigm of start and stop after maximal response and resume at progression. Increasingly, it is one of continuous therapy. For those that are transplant eligible, we give them four to six cycles. And after they've had at least a partial response or better, move them to transplant. Post-transplant, we continue maintenance till time of disease progression. Though some patients can't tolerate it and do have to stop treatment early. For those who are not transplant eligible, once again, we do try to, after a period of induction, reduce the intensity of the treatment, but continuous therapy with one or more drugs, depending on the regimen used, is what we tend to practice today. So this has been great, Caitlin. So before we wrap up, could you give us some key takeaways from this section?
1: Sure, Ravi. I think it's become clear that depth of response matters, and eventually this may provide us information to understand how we can adjust patients' therapies, whether to continue or potentially to stop in the future.
0: In Chapter 3, we will shift gears and look at important considerations from the patient's point of view. Stay tuned.
1: For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Caitlin Costello, and here with me today is Dr. Ravi Vij. We're discussing the frontline management of patients with newly diagnosed multiple myeloma.
0: Welcome. In Chapter 2, we discussed the appropriate goals and duration of treatment. Now I will hand it over to Dr. Costello to tell patients how they should approach their initial appointment with their oncologist.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caitlin Costello, a myeloma specialist at the University of California, San Diego. Now, we know that getting a diagnosis of any cancer can be a very overwhelming situation, and I hope that if you have been diagnosed with multiple myeloma recently, that you will find that this next update will be very helpful in answering some of your questions or to prepare you for what to expect with your upcoming consultation with your oncologist. It is important to prepare for your appointment with your oncologist so you know what you're going to ask and know what you hope to leave with in terms of answers to many of your questions. I think it is most critical for when you start the conversation to understand from your oncologist exactly what it is that they know about your multiple myeloma. What kind of multiple myeloma do I have? What stage of multiple myeloma do I have? What kind of treatments are available to me in order to improve my cancer and make me feel better? You and your oncologist now make up an important team where we can understand what the best treatments are for you based on your specific form of multiple myeloma, based on any other medical conditions that you have had, and choose something that is particularly personalized to help improve your specific situation. It is important to ask about the treatments that you will be receiving. What would you expect them to do in terms of side effects or how would they expect them to work in your particular scenario? It's important to understand that treatments can come in the form of pills or shots, infusions and can be very convenient in the means in which they are administered without involving hair loss or oftentimes significant nausea and vomiting that we frequently associate with chemotherapies. And so as you are receiving these treatments, it's also important to understand from your oncologist how they will be able to assess how the treatment is working. Do I need blood tests or do I need pictures of my bones to understand how the myeloma has affected them or how they are getting stronger? Most important, it is critical that you remain very open and honest with your oncologist about any side effects that you may be experiencing from medications. We always like to say we have lots of tricks up our sleeve to help you feel better, but we can't help if we don't know. So it's important to ask what to expect as far as side effects are with the individual treatments that your oncologist has prescribed and make sure that you are monitoring those along the way so you can provide the feedback that may help your oncologist understand how to make adjustments to make the Treatment regimen more tolerable and still maintain its effectiveness. I know this can be a scary time. However, it's important to realize that the treatment of multiple myeloma has really allowed for just significant improvements in patients' quality of life, most importantly, but also to understand that patients can live for a very long time with this sometimes considered more chronic cancer now.
0: Thank you, Dr. Costello, for your excellent guidance. I'm sure patients will find this extremely useful during their consultation. That is all the time we have today. Thank you very much, Caitlin, for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Vij. It's been a pleasure being here with you.
0: You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com Prova. Thank you for listening.